thoughts, ideas, people, caravan maintenance, trundle beds. What's that plastic thing doing down there? Shut up, Renee. Quiche. Niche. Niche's quiche. Here's Sam Simmons. Good morning in the morning. It's 4.58 a.m. 4.58 and I'm coming into your ear holes. Yuck, that sounded really awful. What an awful way of putting it. Anyway, how you going? I hope you're good. I hope you're having a nice, um, had a nice Easter break if, you, um, if you're listening to this just after Easter. It's still, it's Easter Monday right now. And I've just been down to the Marne Pool in Maroubra where I jumped in the water. And it was warmer in the water than it was outside, which was really quite pleasant. So, um, yeah, I did my little Wim Hof, which is that trendy thing of, like, chucking yourself in an ice bath. How many idiots are going down to, like, the servo just getting bags of ice? Just so they can, you know, fill up the bath at home and just get in there for literally a minute. Almost, sometimes even 30 seconds. And your cost outlay is, what, $24 in buying ice? And then you think about, like, the refrigeration units to make the ice... It's quite damaging. Anyway, um, how are you? You're good? I'm good. I'm feeling good. I think this jumping in the water is really, really good for me. Anyway, it, you know, some people take a tab. I take a tablet as well, but there are certain things that can fix your little head and make you feel okay. And that's one of them for me is just jumping in the in the ocean, in the man pool at, you know, sometimes like four o'clock in the morning I was in there. There was one other fella there who didn't come in, but he was just watching me, which was creepy. Um, and I didn't want to say hello because you always feel like you've got to say hello uh, in Australia when you see someone really early in the morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that's also a really good thing about being Australian is we, we are quite chirpy like that. And it's like, morning, morning. Um, if you do that in the UK, people recoil in fear. Like, what do you want from me? Um, but yeah, sometimes at yeah 4 a.m. I really don't want to talk to some old bloke sitting on a... Um, sitting on a rock and his budgie smugglers watching me swim. Uh, that doesn't feel like a safe space to me. Safe space. Hey, speaking of safe spaces, I'm coming to Melbourne this weekend and I'm really excited. So I'm bringing my show and I, I'm so, I'm, I hate to say pumped, but I really am. I've spent so much time on this show and I've had a month to work on it since I last performed it in Adelaide. And it's probably a third different again uh, shows never, like the live shows for me are never finished until they're, you know, that perform for the last time, which sounds like a real wanky artist thing to say, but yeah, they, I mean, they just get better and better and you, you become more familiar with the story and yeah, look, I'm pretty excited about bringing it. So yeah, anyway, I'm sure that if you're a listener of the podcast and you're a Melbourneian, you would have got your tickets already, but I might as well just chuck it out there again. I've added an extra show on a Sunday night, so come along, come along, because it's nine o'clock on a Sunday night, which just feels... Ooh, I don't think it's going to be that busy. I've got a funny feeling it's going to be pretty slim pickings on the Sunday night at nine o'clock, because it's not like there's going to be a public holiday the next day. So I just don't know who's going to be out on a Sunday night at nine o'clock, apart from maybe hospitality people, and I don't know who else. Goths? Do goths still exist? Oh god, I've been deep diving. Not deep diving goths. I've been. My little girl loves The Cure. Loves The Cure. And her go to track is A Forest. I don't think I've talked about this before, but um, A Forest is a really um, droney, bassy. It's a really, really great song. And 
I mean, I was never a massive Cure fan. Um, I guess I always associated it with goths, and I was really... I wasn't anti-goths, because the goths were always quite... You know, they were quite nerdy and lovely. Always quite... You know, there were quite pretty goths that were um, hiding themselves with makeup. And anyway, interesting stuff. Like, that whole gothic subculture, and I guess with uh, gender identity these days, like... I think a lot of people, it'd be a lot more goths. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's that, different thoughts. Don't worry, I'm not a turf. Um, but yes, anyway, let's rewind that. Anyway, so um, yeah, I wasn't really into The Cure because I always just associated it with the dorky goths. Um, but gee, they wrote a lot of hits. They, like, it was hit for hit for hit for hit. They're all, I mean, they weren't number ones, but number ones aren't that good, really. These were hits, though. Really, really great songs. What a great catalogue, as they say. But, and I, I've been watching a bit of... Because I, uh, I went on Instagram and looked up Robert Smith, I've been getting quite a few little bits of tidbits of The Cure dropping into my feed. Um, and he's a really funny bloke. He's really... He's, there's just something about a fat goth... An overweight goth who still puts on the makeup. His hair's still crazy. And he's a bit of a lout. I saw him in one interview um, getting uppity about someone marketing a festival or a music night called a music of a night of music and despair <laughs> and he laughed at them like who's going to come to that um which sounds really really funny i'm just going to muck around with the microphone for a little bit it's annoying me i think it's okay i'm not i'm not sure whether it's anyway whatever um it's kicking off isn't it what's going on around the world at so china's simulating um hitting key targets on taiwan and isn't there something going on in Israel at the moment and Lebanon? There's more stuff there. Like there's a anyway, bloody hell, it's all happening. Oh, jeez. Guess what else happened? This is really big news. I found a bloody a knit in my eyebrow. I had an eyebrow knit, which I think it's still a knit. When I mean, what's the line before it turns into crabs? Because you got knits. Knits are on top of your head, which are basically they're lice, and then you got pubic lice, which I'm assuming are pretty much the same thing. Um, but what, I mean, what's an eyebrow knit? Is that a different thing as well? When does knit turn to pubic lice? Because you don't call them pubic knits. They're pubic lice. And I guess you do call them head lice. So is it brow lice? Anyway, I picked a, um, a knit out of my eyebrow, which was uh, confronting. I just felt a little tickle in my eyebrow. And anyway, the whole family's got knits. We've, we've, it's, you know, it's the perils of having a, a child, but, um, we're de-lousing each other like like apes, like chimpanzees just combing through each other's hair. It's kind of like old man. It's like it's, it's like caveman computer games. It's like Pac-Man for cavemen or cave people. Sorry, or cave theys <laughs> for the trans cave community. Sorry, I'm not making fun of trans. I love trans. I'm and, and I get sorry. I've I've gone there twice. I guess the weird thing is I listen to a podcast. Well, my my partner made me listen to a podcast. Uh, about J.K. Rowling and the, all the furor that happened, and it's really interesting listening. And anyway, so um, the cave days. So anyway, it's such a funny thought. But there would have been, there would have been like, like gender. Um, yeah, some people who were trapped in the wrong gender that were cave people that didn't want to hunt. They wanted to gather. Do you know? What I mean? It's just so stupid. But that's gendered again because then you're like. Well, there would have been some, like, female cave people that wanted to hunt. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is a ridiculous area. Is there ever been a sitcom about cave people? That's funny. That could be a thing. The cave people, like, I know there was that dinosaurs show that was on in the late 80s, but I don't think I've seen a cave people <laughs> sitcom. 
didn't last very long. There was a movie, Ten Thousand BC, but it wasn't it wasn't very good. Um, even though it had a really pretty spectacular cast. Not Ten Thousand BC. I can't remember. It was it One BC or whatever? It was Michael um, Sarah. Was it? Is that his name? And Jack Black. But anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway, so I'm just thinking, what was I talking about? I do not know what, I was like, that's it, head lice. Yeah, so we were like, we're combing through each other's hair with that, um, really hardcore little comb and putting the spray in there with all the tea tree oil and stuff. And I can still feel itching on the top of my scalp. So I'm sure there's still a few up there. There's a few eggs. Cause if you don't know what happens, they, um, they lay eggs in your hair and feed off your, I think they bite your scalp. I'm not sure if they eat your dandruff. Do they eat your dandruff or suck your blood? Um, anyway, but they lay eggs and then the eggs hatch and more come. And so you got to like put a hot hairdryer on there and stuff, which the cave people back in the day would have had no hot hairdryers for their, um, pubic lice and head lice. And they would have been covered in fur. So that just would have been lot, like body lice, which I think is a thing, isn't it? Body lice. Um, if I found one in my air, my eyebrow, because you know, I've got a bit of, um, I've got neck hair and you've got those fine hairs on your back. So I'm sure there's lice going right down my back. There's like a little expressway going down from what hair I've got on my head, down the slim hairs on my neck, down the really fine hairs. You know, those little really... And don't, we all we all have hairs on our body, just really, really fine ones. All the way down my back, down to my ass crack. And then they're living in there. So I guess there would be a... I mean, do the pubic lice meet the head lice on the spinal highway and catch up and go, oh, what's going on up north? And they're like, oh, he's not got much hair up here. We might have to travel south. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, you're not allowed down here. We don't want you here. Like boat people. Is it? Is there? Is there a border? Jeez, this went somewhere that I didn't expect. Anyway, um, yeah, there's uh, what is it? It's not. I mean, it's not the outbreak of wars going on, but there's a lot of a uh, lot of anger going on around the world at the moment, isn't there? So I've got a little bit of a raspy voice. I don't know why. I'm really hoping I've not caught something before I get to Melbourne to perform the show. But I did go to Nana and Pop Pops yesterday for the Easter egg hunt and uh, uh, some other kids from the other side of the family did get there and they were snotty as like, re like, come on, don't bloody bring them over. But then they're going to miss out on Easter. So I understand it. But oh my God, like fluorescent green snot coming out of their nose. One little boy had his head on the table, just like almost passed out from chocolate exhaustion. It's a jip. Easter's crap. What a crap. I mean, I don't get it. It's, and also like, what is, I mean, our society is, we are the least religious practicing, like peoples on the, uh, on the earth or country. I think we're the least religious is Australia. Um, and, and I'm going to say my word denigration again. I'm not denigrating religion. Like I've got nothing against religion except certain fundamentalist things. But um, yeah, like I just, I mean, and yeah, four days holiday, great. But make it about something else. I don't know. I just don't really understand it. Unless they take it back to its pagan roots, which I, I read about because I was thinking I'll do a deep dive on Easter. And then I got bored and went nah. Um, but I did read up a little bit about pagans and the pagan rituals and, you know, the, the the, the coming of the new spring or no new what is it yeah it's new spring um and fertility and rabbits and all sorts of shit i don't know why rabbits are laying eggs i don't even know why eggs are involved to be honest but i know the greeks like to paint the eggs and you just get a chicken egg back in the day it wouldn't be chocolate and then of course you know you know what's going to happen like you know with commercialism it's like oh good buddy how do you make money out of this oh tinfoil yeah oh, the aluminium people oh yes put them a chocolate egg in there Oh, bunnies. Yes, bunny, chocolate bunny. Anyway, so, and, you know, the Australians are in on the act with chocolate bilbies, and it's a jip. 
It's an absolute jip. And I know jip is... Uh, the word jip comes from gypsy, which is quite offensive. You can't say gypsy. And I understand that. Okay? Um, anyway, it's a bloody jip. Uh, yes. Uh, so, yeah, we went to that. And uh, then we did the obligatory um, family lunch. Um, at a lovely Italian restaurant, actually. It was really, really good. I had an eggplant parmigiana, which is just uh, just the eggplant. And the mozzarella... And then a, a, a like a, a bread crumb on top with parmesan and a sorgo. And it was very, very ridiculously big, like way too big, but absolutely delicious. Um, so I sat there with Nano and um, brother-in-law and all that sort of stuff. And it was all right. I got bored after a little while, though. I was just like, oh, geez, I just want to go sit at home by myself for a bit. Um, but you can't. It's Easter. And my I think my, my, my part, I did, Easter was not a thing for me when I was a kid. It not, wasn't a big thing. Like, hey, it's Easter. There was eggs. Yes, there was chocolate eggs. You know, just the really, really cheap ones. The type they you can only get at the $2 shop these days. Um, not crunchy eggs and all those bloody bastardized eggs that come from um, chocolate, bar, the, the chocolate bars that exist. Like, you've got to get yourself your cherry ripe Easter egg or your bounty Easter egg. Same as that, that um, transition into ice creams as well. You know, you get a Mars bar ice cream and a crunchy ice cream and all that type of... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Just bloody... Why we do... It's kind of like rebooting um, films and making them again. You don't have to make chocolate bars again into ice creams and Easter eggs. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I'm either really on it and this is actually quite entertaining or it's not. I can't tell because my eyes are hanging out of my head because I am tired. Um, anyway, so yes, that, that was Easter. That was, and so this is Easter, and then we had a little staycation, and um, just all hung out as a little fam and stuff like that. I went to an uh, online, uh, no, it was, it was online at an online auction. Here's a handy hint, if you need to uh, get furniture for your house and stuff. I've mentioned this before, but I go to online estate auctions, and you can pick up a bargain. I picked up a go-kart, like a really full-on pedal go-kart, for my little girl, 25 bucks. And you look at it, and it's like, that's... A few hundred dollars that thing would have cost back in the day. I mean, it's probably four years old, but it looks kind of expensive. Uh, 25 bucks. I've also got a giant, almost life-size stuffed tiger. You know when you go to the zoo, when they have the zoo shop, and they've got those giant giraffes and stuff there, and you look at the price, you're like, $700? Um, again, 25 bucks for this tiger I got. This was a few years ago. But anyway, um, so I got a little go-kart. So we're going to take it to the uh, the little racetrack today and scoot around it. I'm trying to get on a bicycle and it's really hard, but I thought that's 25 bucks. And, you know, eventually it will be, uh, you know, she'll be going onto two wheels after four is what I'm thinking. She doesn't like balance bikes. So I'm just trying to get her into the the frame of mind, uh, frame of, mind of pedaling. Just start pedaling and then you'll get into it. Um, anyway, so that that's, that's, uh, our, that's our Easter Monday plan. Scooting around. Also, I'm going to record another episode of Roll Over Pavlova. Well, the second episode, which is my little kids' podcast, my little kids' goodnight podcast, which is really. I got so many cute little messages that people really enjoyed it, except for some people didn't. Oh, sorry, that was my tummy. Um, some people didn't understand that it was for kids and they were getting angry that it wasn't funny enough. I was like, well, it's kids. It's, for, it's a children's podcast, it's to put them to sleep. And it worked. It, well, it worked on Luna. I mean, maybe she's just bored of me and hearing my voice, but she fell asleep. She loved it. She loved the podcast. Um, anyway, so I'm going to do another story today. So it's an improvised children's storytelling podcast. Uh, it's called The Rollover Pavlova Podcast. And 
basically what I do is I I think of a children's film and then I kind of base a storyline kind of on the children's film or children's story, but just change the characters into character names that I like. And I think I'm going to do one about Tamara Tapeworm today. So a tapeworm family living inside someone's gut, which I think could be quite fun. So um, yeah, I'm going to do that a little bit later on today. Apart from that, just do a big deep clean of the house, get ready for the week ahead. Got too many things to do. I had a job interview last week that went really, really good. So I've got to um, prepare myself to possibly trial with them. Um, and it's a writing gig for, I'm not going to say what, what show, but yeah, that was really exciting to actually be um, yeah, looking at work within my, my sphere or within my wheel gate. What's a wheel? No, wheel gate. Is that a thing? In my wheel wheelhouse. My wheelhouse. There you go. Jeez, I am a bit tired. Sorry if you are listening to this going, bloody wheelhouse, mate. Say fucking wheelhouse. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much me being... I've done nothing really over the whole week either. I've just been hanging out. Just like, you know, doing school stuff. Um, we're trying to do like um, target words and reading. I uh, did a parent-teacher interview, which was very cute. Oh my gosh, my little girl. She's a very empathetic little child. And she looks after, I've been told by the teacher. And I know I've just... I'm, I am just being proud though, because... You know, I've had some problems in the past with, you know, mental health and all that type of stuff. And she's probably seen dad lose it a few times. Not in an you know, awful way, like, you know, domestic violence. But she's seen dad get sad and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, this little kid, this little resilient kid has come out with a level of empathy that's extraordinary. Like, apparently she looks after kids that are being bullied and looks after the kids that are a bit littler than her. And it's just like, oh, this is so nice to hear. And the kids in the class had to um, draw three kids in a box in a panel and it was three kids in the class that they love and my little girl appeared in nearly every kid's drawing in the class and i was like oh it made me really uh yeah it made me pretty mosh mate it made me pretty bloody mosh hey speaking of mosh um i reckon now i'm not saying it's corrupt but opera australia and all the money, the arts money, and they're saying they really want to bloody revamp the arts. If they want to revamp the arts and want to get new arts in, they have to look at um, South Korea and the way they reinvested their money. I think it was in the early 90s, they plunged so much money into the arts and film. So they've got a really vibrant culture over there. And Bong Yu Sen, and that's probably the wrong way to say his name, but um, the guy who directed Parasite. But if you look at like Korean um, cinema, what's that massive Netflix series as well about the people hunting each other? Anyway that stuff it's just a huge investment in film and television and arts in general in south korea and dance and all this type of stuff so they spread it out so it went everywhere and music and k-pop so it's an explosion and their economies are richer for it it makes a lot of money this industry that, that's what they need to do here as well and there was a, i think there was talk many years ago i think they did it in new zealand where young artists could if they could prove that they were really trying to push a music career or whatever career it was in what um, part of the arts, they could get the dole for a year, but they didn't have to do all the other stuff, like the job hunting and job seeking and going for three appointments and all this type of stuff. If they could do it for a year and they could establish a music career, which is such a great idea, because I think that's what the, the dole used to be back in the day, was, yeah, young artists and stand-up comedians and stuff, just like, you know, going, okay, I'm not going to get paid for this gig, but I am, you know, I'm getting bloody, I'm getting some money to get by anyway. Hey, I haven't put any breaks in this podcast yet for any, any bits of bloody recorded material. It's going to be weird. Jeez, I better drop one in now. Jeez, I've been banging on.
which is also a funny podcast, which is Miff Warhurst and uh, Zanro. Uh, hang on a tick, I'm just going to stop here and play something. Today's world is full of things. But where did they come from? And how did they begin? Sam Simmons, the precise history of things. I pick Ryan. I pick Scott. Pick Leanne. I pick VJ. Why won't anyone pick me? Because you're, you're a shit guy at sport. You know, if you're not good at sport, well, quite frankly, you don't deserve happiness. That's a bit full on. Shut up, you unco. Sport was invented when a caveman threw half a rock melon at a pug dog. Subsequently, they invented one of the first ever stadium sports of the BC era. Melon pugging. But what about sports today? Let's catch up with Mitch Spoker, the number one draft recruit for the AFL. I like sport, me, footy. Okay, let's not talk to him. Can we get someone else, please? So how was the game, Chance Brockford? Yeah, nah, well, I mean, the boys let a few opportunities slip, but um, at the end of the day, you know, when the cows come home, there's more than one way to skin a cat with a silver lining. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, we all stuck with it. This guy's mind's not right. Can we get someone else more good? Some people like me are sportually challenged. Like, I don't even have the hand-eye coordination for chess. That's why I get all the weird girls. Tell you what, though, if you're great at sports, then all the hot chicks will pants ya. Wow, did you see how well that guy caught that ball? I know. Let's have sex, honey. Oh, my God. Sports people, they're way better people than you. Sam Simmons, the precise history of things. Okay, I'm not sure what that was. I hope you liked it. But, um, yeah, where I was going with this was... There seems to be a lot of money in this country, especially over the last... Uh, actually, since forever. Probably since bloody, I don't know, the Menzies government of the 1940s or whenever it was. But a lot of money going into stuff like Opera Australia, which is like... the the I think the problem with that is that that stuff's cost prohibitive. If you ever, like... I mean, when's the last time, honestly, you went to the, the opera, number one? And I'm not, you know, saying opera's bad. You should go, it's an art form. But... There's a disproportionate amount of money going to places like Opera Australia and, you know, an Australian dance company and all that type of stuff. I guess the, the problem being that if, if they gave out $10 tickets, then yeah, that's a great investment because then you're getting kids and, you know, poor, the, poor, the paupers who um, can go in and, like, you know, go see an opera. And that's what opera used to be, I think, in the day. It was like, you know, it was for the people. But now it's, you know, it's 200 bucks a ticket to go see Madama Butterfly or whatever. It's like, my goodness. So that investment, if they could then subsidise ticket prices for poor... Because I'd love to take my little girl to go see uh, orchestras and, you know, operas and whatever. You know, exclusive art um, for a cheaper price. Anyway, I should bloody be in politics. But I never, I never would. I've got bloody too much baggage behind me. Anyway, um... Hey, speaking of baggage, so th- sorry, I was going on about The Cure before, which led me down a, um, a path on my Spotify playlist into Morrissey, who I just cannot stand. I, I cannot stand The Smiths. And then I was like, I wonder what he's doing right now. I didn't, I've missed this whole racist thing. Apparently he's a bloody racist. Not only is your music shit, you're a racist as well. It's probably not, though. It's probably a bit of cancel culture stuff going on. But um, I think I've got an article here and I've not read it. So here we go. For years, when Professor Melissa Moyer Hildago wasn't teaching classes at California State Fullerton, San Diego, she was singing songs made famous by her musical hero, British rock star Morrissey. That's right. There's a really big, um, like, I think Mexicans love Morrissey. Because I remember something in LA about it. Like, and people, 
they're almost like hardcore emo goth like Morrissey fans. What are they called? Are they called Cholos? I could be really being a bad person here. Anyway, but uh, Morrissey. Hang on, I'm just gonna let me let me just get a grapple on this. Hang on. Okay, now I don't know when this article is from. Okay, so I'm moving the microphone. This is a really sloppy podcast today, but it's good. It's full of big thoughts. Um, it says here, when Morrissey closed out his tour at the Hollywood Bowl on Saturday, October 26, in support of his recent album, uh, California Sun, Hildago, now she's the college professor who loves Morrissey, yes, um, she said she won't be there. Uh, I don't have it in me, she says with a sigh. In recent years, Morrissey has pushed a political and social agenda that she can no longer ignore. Hmm. Closer to home, Morrissey declared London is debased on his website in 2018 before demeaning Mayor Sadiq Khan's accent. Oh no, writing, he cannot talk properly. Ooh, okay, yeah, fair enough. That's just, that's out and out racist. I'll say to you right now, Morrissey, like he's listening. It's that kind of, <clears throat> pardon me, um, that racist thing with you know people getting angry at people not being able to speak English properly? My mother does it. I don't care. To, I'll, I'll happily say that she's definitely in the wrong camp when it comes to racism. Um, except for um, except for African-American jazz musicians. That's her thing. Like she'll, be real, she'll have real issues with Indian doctors and taxi cab drivers, but no issues with, uh, with jazz musicians. So really strange pivotal like i don't know like hawk like just str strange anyway ra it's racism is such a weird i mean i've never experienced it but i can imagine it must be so hard to be um i guess you know an an asian person in australia regionally even in the city just like you know you walk into a certain shop and you know straight away oh, okay i don't feel right here or I'm, someone's going to expect me not to, to be able to speak English. And this is my problem with uh, people getting angry at people who cannot speak the language properly, Morrissey. They're, I mean, how many more, how many bloody um, languages does Morrissey know? He'd probably done, I'm just going to say, he probably just knows English. Maybe French, but I reckon just English. Probably German. Um, that's racist, what I just said. But anyway, uh, so he is getting angry at someone who already knows two languages. They might not be able to speak their second language perfectly yet, but they're still communicating. He's the mayor of London. I mean, anyway, it's not like I'm changing minds and hearts here about racism. Anybody's listening to this and goes, oh, yeah, you're right, Sam. I'm going to stop being a racist. But it is it is ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, uh, fuck Morrissey and fuck your music as well. Haven't got a stitch to wear. Um, really nauseating music. I'm so glad I was never on the Morrissey train. And I know there's a lot of people that love Morrissey, but yuck. Uh, not my thing. Robert Smith all the way. I think they had an issue with each other, didn't they? Did they fight? I'd love to see a fist fight between Robert Smith and Morrissey. Robert Smith would kick the shit out of him, I reckon, because he's heavy set. A heavy set goth versus like a limp vegan racist. It's a little bit Hitler, isn't it? He was a vegan, wasn't he? Or a vegetarian. Did anybody see that Hitler film? There was a, I can't remember what it was called, but they put in a scene. There was a scene where he kicked a puppy. <laughs> Like, as if we didn't know he was evil enough. The guy was a vegetarian. He probably liked animals. So I don't know whether that was really true. I, do, I reckon that's just a myth that someone spread around like, oh, he's bad. Yeah, I saw him kick a puppy. <laughs> oh, the more I hear about that Hitler, oh, he sounds really evil now. Anyway, um, hey, Mike Cannon Brooks, Mike Cannon Brooks, if you listen to me, let's chat. 
Um, oh, tea towels are coming. Tea towels are coming. They're coming from China. So I've worked it out. It went missing. Uh, it is coming though. So it's coming from the Qingdao Hanger Trade um, Company. And I got really worried that I was being... Um, I'd sent, and it cost me a bit, man. It was like US $831 to get these tea towels, uh, which is nowhere near what I've made on Patreon, but I am I am adamant that everyone gets a tea towel who's been on Patreon up until um, the date. I might have given one more week, and you'll all get a tea towel. Anyway, and I thought, oh, no, I've just this money's just been sent into the abyss because they just fell out of communication. And then they've got ink back in communication. It's all coming. So it is all coming. Uh, they better look good, though. It's a bit of money. Jeez, guys. Anyway, um, so they are coming, which is weird, which is good. It's exciting. And I'll have some merch. Only to sell in Perth, though, because the tea towels haven't arrived. And I expected them to arrive before Melbourne. And I thought I could make back the money in Melbourne by selling tea towels out the front after the show. <laughs> This is this is a state of um, modern affairs in a not recession at the moment. Is that I am literally to stay afloat. I have to sell tea towels to people on the street after gigs. But that's that's showbiz. That's showbiz. I used to look at Tommy Little, who's a very successful Australian comedian, um, selling mugs after his gig, and I just thought to myself, I won't be doing that. I mean, I used to sell tea towels years ago, but it was more ironically. But now it's like. No, I need to sell these tea towels to recoup costs, buddy. Uh, so anyway, so in Perth, guys, come along, because I'll be selling tea towels. <laughs> oh, jeez. What is going on in my life? I've got a little itch. I wonder if I could pull a knit out of my head live on air or live on podcast. This is not a... Well, it is on air. There's voice coming out of my mouth, which is air. Anyway, bloody, what's going on with this podcast today? It's a good one. I don't care. It's a good one. It's loose, but it's a good one. It's also just like when, you, when you're in your head and you're just like, well, I've done nothing. I haven't really done anything over the last week. What have I got to talk about? And that's the point. That's the point of this podcast. It's just whatever. I'm still getting lots of emails from people, but I haven't read them for a while. Oh, someone actually hooked me up with a benefactor. Benefactor. Someone who, uh, anyway, I will, I will follow that up. Um, yeah. I, and I have a really good idea. If there's any producers out there, he, it's not. A, this is not a pitch. This is loose. But has anybody ever heard the Australian um, radio program on a Sunday morning? Uh, it's on the ABC. It's all across the country called Macca All Over. Now, I grew up with Macca All Over. Uh, <laughs> this is really funny. I've got an idea. I reckon I want to... And it's not like very Steve Coogan-ish, but it is a little bit Alan Partridge. But there has got to be an amazing parody of that program made in Australia because it is extraordinary. I'm not going to give too much away about what I would like to do with this, but if anybody wants to get in contact with me about this, if you're a screenwriter or you are a producer indeed, I've got a sensational idea, very simple way of filming it as well. Uh, basically a parody of, mockumentary style of an Australia all over with Macca style program. And it is, it's, it's seriously, it's a dynamite idea, but I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to seem like I'm... Um, taking the piss out of Macca from um, Sunday mornings with Macca all over, which I am. It's called Australia all over. Have a listen. Oh my God. This so the jingoism. It's the jingoism going on in that show. It's just, it makes me laugh so much. And especially when he plays bird noises underneath like a maybe nearly a little bit right wing rant. <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, I hope I don't get in trouble. But mind you, I can say whatever I want. This is my podcast. Um, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm a nice person. 
I'm just saying that I have heard a few things on that and a few callers that ring up and say things that you just go, hang on a minute. Anyway, um, yeah, if there are any, are any producers or screenwriters out there who'd like to get in contact because it's bloody, it's it seriously is a properly good idea. Anyway, I'm going to play something now. We'll come back and I'll bloody prattle on a bit more. I need some things at the Institute. A precise history of things with Sam Simmons. Doors. Doors were invented in 1784 by Glenn Dawes. Glenn was pretty, not in a conventional way, but more like a boyish woman or a mannish lady. One day Glenn got very cross one day one day, when he was trying to get into his humble home after a long session down at the Brown Crayon and Whistle Taverna with his Palomino pony named Clayton. Glenn was too drunk to get into his shanty home through the antique Spookum. The Spookum, you see, is a hole in the roof where people would climb in and then slide down a rope made of cow intestines. Uh, not the Spookum again. If only there was an easier way to get into my house, said Glenn with his face. Why don't you try the window? Said Clayton the Palomino Pony. Look at Palomino Pony. You shut up, Clayton, said Glenn. No, you should shut, said Clayton. Then suddenly Glenn and Clayton were suddenly in a fist fight with a twist because this fight had hooves. They rolled around and around in front of Glenn's shanty in a violent display of man-pony wrestling. I'll wrestle you good, said Glenn. Then with a tremendous thud, Clayton kicked Glenn right through the side of his humble shanty abode. And then Glenn found himself sitting in his tobacco chair. Stunned and dusty, he stood up and walked outside again through the hole in the side of his house. How convenient, said Glenn. I shall assemble a wooden canopy to hinge to the wall and I will name it a Regina. Come in through my humble Regina and into my home. I love it in your Regina, said Clayton. And then they all lived happily ever after until Glenn died. And then Regina's were renamed Doors. I think it might be a sign, but there's magpies outside the window now doing a background, uh, well, doing the, the sound effects in the background of me talking about Macca just before. I don't really heard them. I might go back and cut them up. Uh, okay, so, oh, yes, just this is just a public service announcement. Yeah, can you hear that? Magpie, there. I'm just going to do a cut in the podcast so I can um, raise the level of that. Did you hear that? They're still going. Anyway, so, um, yeah, this is for people like... I mean, I'm, I'm not doing a bit on you. It's just it's, it's a genuine frustration for me. Stand on the left of the escalator. Please stand on the left side of the... It doesn't matter when it is. Even if you think no one's in a rush, it's a Sunday, and I'm on an escalator... Don't assume that someone doesn't have a dying child and they have to run down the escalator. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Stand on the left and don't get angry when I come up behind you to walk down the escalator. I find, look, I, I like the convenience of an escalator and sometimes I will be like, hey, I'm just going to stand here and enjoy the ride. But most of the time I'll just walk down the escalator or walk up the escalator because it's uh, faster and I don't want to stand there staring into the middle of someone's back or looking at the back of their neck, I'd like to just walk past them and go to where I need to go. I don't need to stand on the escalator to enjoy the ride. Um, just please, so stand to the left. on And don't get shitty. Don't People get shitty. It's like, oh, 
Oh, bloody, it's bloody Sunday. I don't have to park and move. I'm on the fucking escalator line. Um, no, stand to the left. The Brits get it. Stand to the left. Um, in Japan, they get it. Stand to the left. Because it's, ar- it's arrogant just to stand there thinking, no, you're going at my pace. No, we're going at my pace. It's, it's Saturday morning. I'm not in no rush anywhere. I'm just going to stand on the escalator anywhere I want. Stand to the left. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I find it um, frustrating and, and quite arrogant uh, to stand there in front of someone and just to take up the bloody... Anyway. I get I get this a lot in a lot of different places as well. Like I've got like I get rage at, um, yes I eat meat sometimes. I get rage at the butcher. I had a real moment with a butcher once, a real bad one, because butcher butchers are interesting. Like they're always cheeky. Like oh I'm a cheeky butcher, because um, they're, as they're carving up a fucking carcass, your your sociopathic psychopath or whatever it is, um, you got to be a different breed to be a butcher. Don't you? I think I've talked about this before actually. The 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 slightly racist butcher that I've got. <laughs> And he says jokes that are just not right. But there was another butcher that I used to go to. This guy was an asshole. I, I mean, I definitely won't say the business, but it's like an inner Western Sydney boutique butchery. And um, and I, I, I do think that, you know, if you are going to buy your meat, you, you know, you should buy it sustainably and all that shit. So you pay a bit more for it, you get a bit less um, because, you know, it costs more. But anyway... So I used to go to this butcher and it is, it's a bit trendy and well, not even trendy. It just like, you know, it's a bit, it, they all wear aprons that look like they're, you know, being bought by Country Road. It's a load of bullshit, really. But this guy who runs it, he, he thinks he's, he's living his life like he's in a reality te- television program and everyone's watching him. You know, those type of guys, like there are certain guys that work in a public sector. Well, not a public sector, but like, you know, publicly. Certain cafe operators are the same way, which is great. You live your life any way you want. If you want to, you know, act like that. But this guy, just it's just the performance he puts on. And it was during the, the, the COVID years. Remember the COVID years, guys? And, you know, you're restricted to walk into a shop. So it was only two people allowed in the shop at a time. And this guy, this prick, he'd just stand there just telling bullshit stories to like and now it's a chefs so chefs would go there to get their produce and he'd just wank onto the chefs and make you sometimes be waiting half an hour that's too long to wait for a chop um anyway i cracked it with him and uh called him out on it and said you're a dickhead and then i, I found out through other butchers that he's a notorious asshole so the butcher community they, they all know each other um i don't know whether they'll catch up together and slaughter something or have a ritual kind of like in eyes wide shut remember that scene in eyes wide shut with uh not not the bit with um the chris isaac music and nicole kidman appalling actress oh my god is she good is she good also i'm gonna say it kate blanchett is she good i don't know whether she's good oh gee sorry that was my stomach again that was bloody kate blanchett get out of here um I just don't know. I didn't mind that one where she was um, a tall lesbian lady. Was it called Vera or something? Anyway, I didn't mind that one, but I just don't know. I don't know whether I've ever really gone, oh, that was good, or raced off to the cinema, cinema to go, oh, that was, I oh, can't wait to see the new Kate Blanchett blockbuster. Because I've heard Tar is awful. Um, but anyway, I think I talked about that last week. It's like I just I live inside a loop inside my own head. Is anybody out there still listening? Hello? Is there anybody? Email me, samnichesquiche at gmail.com. I think I've jumped the shark, which is a, a term that comes from um, Happy Days, which is a sitcom from the 1970s that recreated the 1950s. 
and which I guess is that's where that's that seventy show came from. Is uh, that kind of thing we like to reminisce? Is there? I think they did a reboot, isn't there? That ninety show. Anyway, it's a time that you need to reminisce about. I think I'd like to do that two thousand and eleven show because I think that was the peak in my life. <laughs> I think I was at my best in 2011 in every way in my head mind you having a kid changed all that that's probably the best stuff that's ever happened is having a little bubby my little snuggle poof yeah i've been thinking about the word poof and i think look if um i guess the connotation to it being a real negative for the gay community for gay men if they would like to give it back to us can we have it back in a nice way asking them permission nicely and just go can we say poof again but not to them just to other things or like look at you you little poof it's just a nice word i mean if you uh i mean <laughs> if i mean i can imagine it could be triggering um for maybe a 50 plus year old gay man i'll ask my brother he's 57 he's gay can i bring yeah actually you know what i'm seeing him on friday i'm going to melbourne i'm going to see my brother i'll ask him whether i can have poof back or can we have poof back because I'd really like to call my little girl. Like, what are you doing? I do say it to her sometimes, you little snuggle poof. There's just something so... It's just a cute word, poof, like a magician. Anyway, um, I think maybe... Look, can we give it... It'd be nice to be able to have words back like that so they're not hurtful. There are certain words you certainly shouldn't give back um, for people to use. Uh, for example, the N-word should never be out there again or with Aboriginal Australia, the B-word. But, I don't know, poof just seems cute. In a way, I might be completely wrong. And if you want to come and get me, come and get me. Come and bloody get me. I don't care anymore. Uh, I've got to play the tolls as well. Sorry, I just read my, that's just my list for things I've got to do today. Um, are you enjoying my philosophies on uh, Instagram? I'd love to know if you are. I'm getting a lot of amazing feedback from people. People seem to really like it. So I'm trying to record and release one a day, which is a big ask. Social media is hard work. I know you think it's not, but it is. It's a real outlay of, especially with a kid, to find the time to run and hide somewhere and try to do something that you think is funny, to then upload it and just go, oh, well, you like this world? I've never had anything viral. I don't think I, I, don't think I have. There might be something on YouTube that I don't know about, but um, yeah, I don't think I ever have. Uh, anyway, I'm really enjoying making them, so I hope you're enjoying doing them and reading about them as well. Anyway, I'm going to get into a deep dive. Uh, this is about Roman sex scandals, so I'm going to play something back with you in a minute with Roman sex scandals. Okay. If the ancient Romans knew how to do one thing well, it was party. They did, didn't they? They loved a party. It was like, whenever I think of like the ancient Rome, you do you think of like um, sex parties and eating awful things like giraffe necks stuffed with finches and wild boar. Mainly Asterix books from when I was a kid. The Asterix the Gaul books, and you'd look at uh, Roman sex parties. Well, they wouldn't be sex parties in there, but they kind of alluded to the stuff that was going on in there. There was always a, a scantily drawn women um, in Asterix comics, which are not, you know, when you're an 11-year-old boy, it was quite titillating. Anyway, um, so that's what I think about with Roman sex parties and, and all those myths and stories about, you know, where they prove the virility of a man or royalty and they had to, like, basically dry hump um, a person across a marble floor. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it is a thing. Anyway, here we go. When they weren't busy uh, inventing the aqueduct, uh, concrete or the basis for the modern calendar, they were discovering new and exciting ways to have a good time with each other. Well, there's, only, there's only a few, isn't there? Really. Um, 
sure, every emperor, senator and nobleman under the sun promoted family values, but when the sun set, ancient Rome got into the kind of action that would make the writers of Games of Thro Game of Thrones blush. Game of Thrones was pretty overrated, I think, by the way. I just don't know. I, I mean, I didn't mind. Look, the... I guess the... Well, I, mean, I don't know. Was it good? I mean, the, you know, the... I guess the... the was there bestiality in it? I mean, it was like meant to be... It's basically, it was a soap opera with, you know, thematically some pretty full-on things in it, like incest. And that was it. With dragons. Dragons can fuck off. I've got anything mystical like that. Love sci-fi. Something about ye olde dragons that I've just got no in. And the Wild West. I can't stand cowboy films either. Anyway, here we go. It wasn't all funs and games, though, since uh, most of these Romans, the Roman rumours involved the emperors. That meant that most of them ended up either in bloody coups or execution. It's good to be king, but only as long as the people let you stay in power. So as crazy as you think uh, modern Washington controversies may seem, some of the ancient Roman sex stories on this list may make you appreciate how far politicians have come over the last 2,000 years. Here we go. Nero, yes I know Emperor Nero, had a great haircut, little, little weavy bob, little curls, very very cute. Uh, for someone with the power and maniacal reputation of Emperor Nero, it was probably easy to get bored at having sex with every, uh, with every whim met. Perhaps that's why Nero turned an innocent boy into a eunuch. Jesus. And then tied the knot. The boy, Sporus, was dressed as a woman in a veil for every for official ceremonies. Goodness me. That's, that's, not, that's not right. I think there's a, there is a story about how that stuff used to happen, how they, they used to make... This is an awful story. Good Lord, I didn't think I was going to go here. Um, what they used to do with eunuchs is... I think it, it was a religious kind of ceremony. So they'd put the young boy... Oh, good luck with this. Trigger warning on this, by the way. Oh, as if there's any eunuchs listening. Anyway, um, they put the young boy in a bathtub. <laughs> this is going to get graphic. They'd sit in a hot bath with the priest. Jeez, this is where it all started, isn't it? This is the Catholic Church. This is where it began. Anyway, um, oh yes, definite trigger warning now. Here we go. So, young boy popped in a hot bathtub. There's a priest in there. And then he would basically grab the testicles and just slowly massage them away, which is disgusting. Tom uh, Gleason used to do a, a bit about it, uh, and it was so funny where eventually he massaged the testicle until it just burst like a, like a grape. Like, um, anyway, yuck. Sorry about that, but that's apparently the way they used to make eunuchs. Hot bath to kind of like, that was kind of the the anaesthetic in a way. Um, disgusting. Anyway, here we go. Caligula. Oh, he was a sex freak, wasn't he? Went to a wedding and left with the bride. Oh, there's nothing. That, oh, no, he would have said, I want that. Okay, here we go. Uh, Gallus Piso made the poor decision of inviting Emperor Caligula to his wedding. When Caligula showed up to the banquet, Gaius told the Emperor not to touch his soon-to-be wife, Livia Australia. So naturally, Caligula went, oh, hang on, I'm having a bit of that, and he married her, then banished her to an island where she was forbidden, forbidden to sleep with anyone else ever again. Jesus! What a, what a, what a, what a meanie! Oh, the more I hear about that Caligula, uh, Tiberius went skinny-dipping with young boys. This is rough stuff, isn't it? Pushing the edges of depravity, stories said Emperor Tiberius trained young boys to fulfill his physical needs like go swimming with them. Oh, yuck, he'd then have them lick and nibble him between his thighs. He called them tiddlers. Is that where toddlers comes from? This is not good. Now, guys, I don't screen the deep dive. I just read it. I look for something. I find a deep part. No, not dark. I'm not on the dark web. 
This is normal. This is normal internet. <laughs> I'm on Dodo. Um, Nero, <laughs> Nero got, oh, here we go. Nero got nasty with his mum. Okay, less boy stuff, more mum stuff. Here we go. So for Emperor Nero's mother, Agrippina, merely being the mother of the emperor wasn't enough. Oh no, early in his rule as teenager, Agrippina had the heavy hand in his decision-making. Rumours spread she reinforced her influence with her body. Oh no. Bloody Romans. Rome's great, by the way, but you know it is. It's just built on incest and motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, it's a wonderful place. Wonderful pasta. Oh my gosh. Have you guys ever had a caccio pepe? A caccio pepe? There's a really funny um, video. Uh, video. I hate when people say video. There's a clip on Instagram of this young girl buying a jar of cacio a pepe. So it's cacio a pepe. It just means pasta. Uh, sorry, no, it means uh, pepper water, I think. is Or pepper water pasta. And it's a delicious pasta, by the way. It's just lots of um, good parmesan or reggiano um, mixed with lots of cracked pepper in a hot pan, which sounds really wrong, and then pasta water. Look up the recipe. That's not how it goes, but it's a delicious pasta. Anyway... Uh, that's the traditional paupers with the poor people, the poor Romans um, pasta, because it, you know, it was just pepper and cheese. What is going on here? Anyway, let's go back to the motherfuckers. Here we go. Although it said he uh, took, hang on, is this Caligula again? Oh yes, Caligula had it, and his sister as well. Although it said to you he took all his sisters to bed, Caligula's favourite was Drusilla. Uh, story said their grandmother caught them in bed together when they were still minors. Good lord, this is not good. You filthy Romans. Uh, here we go. Nero dressed up as animals for his sexcapades. Goodness me. Nero had a weird, must have had a very weird childhood. Um, but not even the most uncommon upbringing could explain his most ferocious urges. Story said he liked to play a game where he dressed in animal skins and was let loose from a cage. And went to the town. On and went to town on defenseless men and women who were tied to stakes. Oh my god. Jeez. I wonder if they're doing any roleplay stuff. If any of this stuff's going on. People would be. That, that is, that's the eyes wide shut shit. There's, weird, there's still weird stuff going on. What was that awful... There was an awful film franchise. Hostel. Oh my god. Awful. Where they'd, um, they'd kidnap um, young tourists and take them to the, you know, the eastern bloc countries and wealthy Japanese businessmen would pay to eat them. Anyway, awful films. Awful, awful. I think I've, in my early youth, I used to, yeah, watch that kind of stuff with my, my friends thinking, we were, anyway, it doesn't matter. Caligula slept with guests, wives, and then bragged about how they gotten, yeah, anyway, that's fine. Um, an empress had a taboo, what? Face-off with a famous prostitute and won. Here we go. According to Pliny the Elder, Valeria Marcellina, the third wife of Emperor Claudius and the mother of his son, was known for her appetite for pleasure. Just for fun, the Empress bet the best Roman courtesan of her time that she could sleep with more men in one day than said Lady of the Night. Messalina came out on top by 25 men. Jeez, that's got to hurt. Wouldn't it get, it get, I mean, I imagine just with my doodle, it'd be, ouch, it'd hurt after 25. Caligula used his sisters to discredit political rivals. Uh, so when Caligula wasn't actually taking his siblings to bed, he often prostituted them off to his friends. This is fucked up. Caligula, Caligula's bloody rough, isn't he? Turned his palace into a brothel. I'm just going to bloody just get... just. Do the... Augustus exiled his daughter for ruining family values. What did she do? 
I mean, if she did something so bad she was exiled, Emperor Augustus found himself in a bind with his daughter Julia. Augustus was a supporter of family values and set out to make adultery illegal. Julia complicated his political stance frequently by indulging in biases, including public instances of adultery. Augustus was so, that's not right, she's just bloody exploring herself, you know, and just getting up to stuff, doesn't matter. Cleopatra had a love child with Caesar and paraded it around Rome, whatever. Um, Emperor Eaglebillus was all about role-playing. Yeah, that's fine, you can role-play. I've never role-played. It is weird. I, I don't know what I would role-play as. Um, maybe a monotreme, a platypus or something, and I'd have a little venomous spur in the side of me. Uh, f anyway, that's weird. Um, what have we got here? Uh, Mark Antony totally went after his best friend Caesar's girl out of after that's that's fine. That's just that's different love. Claudius executed his wife for organising a coup with her lover. That's not a sex story. That's just um, that's a coup. Anyway, um, yes, I mean there's no Bill Clinton in there, is there? But it's uh, yeah, that was some pretty wrong. That's some bloody wrong stuff, actually. Really wrong stuff. Yeah, dirty Romans in your viaducts. Uh, wonderful city though oh my goodness when I used to work in the UK all the time and this was like this is why um, you know we all, we all had to stop flying because it was just crazy you get yourself a 28 um, pound flight to Rome on EasyJet oh jeez I, 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 I hope I don't sound like an arsehole here I, I think I've been to Rome maybe 10 times that's how much I love the place. It is an extraordinary place. If you've never been, it's just, oh my goodness. Just every every street and nook and cranny you turn around, you just look up and go, oh my God, how is this still here? Speaking of, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, couples counselling, it was held in a place called the Italian Forum, which is like a 1990-style version of recreating an Italian, like a Roman-style uh, Roman um, town square. So they've got like mini Spanish steps, well, kind of like about the same size, actually. And, you know, it's a whole quarter, lots of seating. Someone's bought the whole, and I looked at it, and I went, this is great, because I've never seen anything like it in Australia. It was a different way of living. Instead of our boxes and our fences or apartments and, oh, don't talk to me, I'm going in here, I've got my fence up. The way the Italians live and Europeans in general with squares and it's, it's very open and people talk to each other and you have a shared space downstairs and the kids run around and play. Really great. No cars, no traffic. Fantastic way to live. So someone's bought the Italian Forum. I think it's $11 million they've spent to buy it. I'm wondering what they're going to do with it. I hope they reconvert it in a really good way because I love the idea of um, living like that. It's really... I like... Not communal hippie, like swing style ashram, but I do like the idea of the communal nature of kids being able to run around downstairs um, and not on the street, but you know, they're in a square and there's a fountain there if it's hot and all that type of stuff. It's just a really nice way of living. We need to re maybe rethink the way we live here because um, it's, it's just a very, it's, it's very indulgent, you know, your big block of land and all that type of stuff. But anyway, someone's bought it and they're redeveloping it. And I tell you what, if they do it well, I'm moving in. I'm bloody moving in. I'm going to be an Italian. I'm moving to Leichhardt, and I'm going to be a bloody Italian, mate. Um, anyway, that was not much of a deep dive, but it was something. We learned, we did, we learned some things. We learned that they were freaks, that they were a whole lot of incesting motherfuckers. Um, sorry for the kids that are listening to the podcast. I have, um, I've swore, I swores, I did swears. Um, sorry about that. Anyway. Well, that was, that was Nisha's quiche for this week. I thought a really good loose one. The sun's coming up outside right now and I'm feel I've had my swim. 
I'm gonna go kind of clean the house, do a bit, bit of a, an autumn clean, like a spring clean today. I really wanna get into it and get into the day. And um, yeah, hopefully I'll see some of you in Melbourne on the weekend, shout out if you want to. I, I really, I'm really excited about bringing the show there. And um, yeah, look forward to your tea towels soon, my Patreon friends. And uh, yeah, have a really wonderful week. And I hope, um, I hope you're feeling good about stuff. All right, see ya.
Thank you. 